Good evening, everybody. It is wonderful to worship together uh, as God's people. And, you know, it is it's said of the church um, that it is a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. And that's what makes God's church different from all other organizations. Uh, and we do believe in prayer through God's Spirit. Please be praying for uh, Carol Ann and Robbie. Carol Ann is okay, but she and her son were on a bike today. Both of them are okay, and a car hit the bicycle. I don't think the bicycle is doing well, but Robbie, Robbie is home with Carol Ann because she's a little shaken up, understandably, so please keep them in your prayers. Um, and also keep in your prayer this Sunday at church. Does any of you know what is happening at the North River Church on Sunday? Generosity Sunday. You may have heard about that. It is a time to express our generosity, not just in our service and love of other people and the time we volunteer, but also to our financial giving. And there is an impossible goal set of $750,000 However, unfortunately, we uh, worship a God who loves to do the impossible. So be praying. Vivian and I have gotten on the prayer chain. Last week, we have been praying with the church about the goal of Generosity Sunday and everyone's generosity. The core leadership group on Sunday got together and prayed, you know, for half an hour on the prayer chain for Generosity Sunday. The church leadership group on Monday night got together and prayed. Today, the church staff got together. I, Vivian and I went with them. They, we walked around the building seven times and shouted. Um, I, I asked if anyone was praying that the building would not fall down when that happened, as happened in the time of Joshua. Fortunately, Graham Baskin was praying that the building would not collapse, but that hearts would be changed. Um, you know, last month, we have been doing a theme of drawing near to God and understanding God's grace. Well, God's grace is a powerful thing. You know, we some people have said that grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. The word charis denotes a gift or a reward, uh, an unmerited favor uh, bestowed on others. And so we've been talking a lot about God's grace. The theme changes this month, starting today, to talking about drawing near to God in his kingdom. But it's not a separate idea from grace because God, in his wonderful grace, has enabled us to enter into his kingdom. And what is God's kingdom? What is God's kingdom? Let me ask, what's God's kingdom? Yes. Okay, everywhere and every place God reigns. However, when we use a term like every place or everywhere, what do we mean by that?
Sorry? Here's what's interesting. Is God just the ruler of everywhere and every place? Yes, no, yes, no, thoughts? <laughs> it's an interesting question. Are there things that could be outside the bounds of everywhere and every place? Everybody, everyone, but all time. Some, oftentimes, we tend to be bounded by the space-time continuum in our universe. Is God just the God of this universe? <laughs> All right. God is a bigger idea. His reign, his rule, his authority. I mean, I don't even know if heaven is a place in the conventional sense of the term. It could be that God is ruler of more than everything and every place as we conceive of it. Um, but as a Dutch theologian once remarked, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Our text tonight is going to be in Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 is a chapter in Jesus' discourse that sets up three different parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, and they're all related. They're all parables, really, that give you a picture of who God is because when we start to talk about a kingdom... There's a necessary component of a kingdom. What are some of the necessary components of a kingdom? Yes. There has to be a king or a queen. There has to be subjects. And there has to be land, but we've already discussed that it may not be in the conventional sense of what we conceive of as land in the space-time continuum. <laughs> These are the elements of a kingdom. And so when one looks at the picture of what is a kingdom, you may want to know a little bit about some of these elements. Like, for example, what kind of king is God? Um, now, in, if some of you I know have been listening to the Bema, B-E-M-A, Bema podcast, they're very popular series of podcasts that have gone around. Somebody who has become a scholar in Jewish thought has applied a lot of Jewish and Eastern understanding to Christianity, to the Jewish text, and to Christian thought by explaining Eastern Jewish-type concepts. One of those concepts is that in the West, we tend to look for definitions and explanations. Hence, I started with defining what grace might be and talking about what a kingdom might be. But in Eastern thought, in Jewish thought, they wouldn't have begun that way. They wouldn't have thought that way. 
they'd be looking at what does God's kingdom look like in terms of a picture, something that you might imagine, and hence Jesus talked many times in parables and gave pictures, trying to help people to understand what was the kingdom of God like, what did it feel like, what did it look like, what kind of person was God. Now we see in Luke 15, starting in verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Thank goodness, God welcomes sinners and eats with them. That is a picture of grace all by itself. But then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, what kind of picture do we get of God from this little passage? God is a shepherd. And what kind of shepherd? The kind who pursues the lost. Listen, this is 1% of the flock. One sheep in a hundred. And for the shepherd... One sheep in a hundred is important enough to pursue. So whether you apply this to somebody who has no knowledge of God and is, is lost in the sense of not knowing God, not having a relationship with God, not experiencing who and what God is, there's someone to be pursued. Or whether you view it as someone who already has understood God's kingdom, but perhaps has strayed or wandered or gone somewhere and someone needs to go after them and help them to come back to the flock. Either way, you see that a shepherd is someone who cares, that the kind of king of this kingdom that we're talking about is someone who will go after and pursue someone in need to help to help that person. Um, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbor together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, notice the progression. First it was one in a hundred, now it is one in ten, one-tenth of the woman's wealth that is lost. And, uh, you know, and it might be the case, I, I definitely know what happens when I misplace my phone in the house. And don't know where it is, and it's turned off so that you can't call it and ring it. We, I am turning the house upside down. My wife, if she misplaces her glasses, her wallet, um, anything, 
nothing else can get done until that thing is found. Just because, you know, it, it bugs her so much that it is not there. So you understand how this woman is. You know, one-tenth of your savings are misplaced. You might have some concern over looking around for, for where it is. This is how God feels about us, about lost humanity, about those who are part of his flock. You know, do we feel that way about each other, about those of us who we know who have the Spirit of God? Do we feel that way about friends at work and uh, that, we, that we have known uh, many years or even short acquaintances? Do we have this sense of care and concern uh, that God does for them and their well-being and their spirituality and their, their spiritual health? Um, then finally, uh, and so you begin to see, you begin to see that there's kind of a, what I like to call a doctrine of two kingdoms. You've got on one hand, the kingdom of God with some of these principles, but then you have the kingdom of the world and the two kingdoms tend to operate on different kinds of principles. Now, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God, what might be some of those principal differences on which these two kingdoms operate in your mind and estimation? Sorry? Yes. Yes. In the world, yep. And politics aside, where's my laughing sound? Oh, right behind me. <laughs> politics aside, what do some of the local kings tend to be in our lives? <laughs> I'm not looking for a political answer here. Comfort? The opinions, the opinions of others, yes. Okay, lust versus love. Friends and family. Money, and who controls the money? The jobs, the boss. Any bosses that tend to act like local kings, or is that too far of a stretch? <laughs> Comfort. People in this room. How so? How could it be people in this room? <laughs> okay. Level vulnerability. Um, but the kingdoms tend to operate on different rules. What I mean by that is to do well 
in God's kingdom, what kind of character does it take? Okay. Sorry? Humility, humble, obedience, poor in spirit, surrender, trust, love, what else? Empathy, sorry, and generosity, being subject to the king, okay? Other than obedience and being subject to the king, are these the values you hear at the workplace usually? It, it may depend on, on the workplace. But to get ahead in the kingdom of the world, in whatever sense you take getting ahead to mean, what are the values that are typically sought after? Independence. Sorry? Greed? Sorry? Ambition. Sorry? Work ethic? Okay. Yes, some of these values can translate and do well. Other times, uh, greed is encouraged, or sometimes the opposite can be encouraged. It depends on the environment. It depends on the setting. Now, I will tell you this, though. Um, which kingdom tends to value productivity and accomplishment over people? How so both? Well, I think it's easy for us to say that in the kingdom of God, productivity usually means like you're on the power level. You can have more than that. Power your wife is usually some kind of productivity measure every day. Where, so when we value what my kingdom, my ministry, my endeavor is around what values the kingdom of God. Well, then I'll ask you this. When we represent God's kingdom in this way, by asking some of these questions in this fashion, are we representing God's kingdom with God's heart? <laughs> if productivity was valued over persons, God would never have introduced the Sabbath. The Sabbath is all about the, God's rest is all about understanding that humanity means more to God. These parables are teaching that humanity means more to God than productivity 
all by itself. Now, I'll grant you the Bible says we don't want to then live unproductive lives. You don't want to become a member of God's kingdom and then do nothing. Say, I have arrived and there's no allegiance, there's no obedience, there's no understanding of taking that grace and passing it on to others. We are not meant to be unproductive people. However, the reason for which we are productive in God's kingdom is out of an understanding of the incredible grace that God has given and lavished on us and loves us for. But when you are part of a kingdom, yes, there is allegiance to the king. On to the, par the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Notice now in the progression we've gone from one in a hundred to one in ten. Now we've got two sons and we're going to talk about one in two. Fifty percent. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. As an estate planning attorney, I can tell you this may not be wise estate planning advice. <laughs> but with a limited amount of funds, you might want to do that to child and see what happens. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, now let's stop right there for a second. What do you think helped this son to come to his senses? Sorry? And what was he lacking exactly? And why was he lacking food? And what? Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. They did, they did uh, an experiment where they talked to a bunch of American seminary students and a bunch of Russian seminary students, and they asked a similar question, and the American students all mentioned that he squandered what he had in wild living, and the Russian students all mentioned the famine. And if you say, what famine? It's a word we read over, verse 14, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. But in America, we tend to not even hear the word famine as part of this parable because we don't have a context for understanding what a famine might be or what it might be to be in that severe need of food. Just an in, but the Russians did. Um, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Something going on in the reasoning process of the son here. And what do you think? You have a little bit of his internal dialogue, but... What do you think he has realized here about his father? Okay, yeah. Why do you think this guy wanted to leave home in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I tend I tend to feel that way a little bit. Yeah. And maybe he, maybe he did, yes?
Yes. <laughs> allegiance, allegiance can be a double-edged sword. Uh, we want, God asks for allegiance to him, and there's no other means of relating to God without allegiance to him. But God is very willing to let us experiment in whatever way we want if we want to be out of his rule and authority. Though he might pursue us and ask us to come back, he's not going to make us come back. He's going to let us find out things on our own and have experience on our own. Um, my son was eager to move out of the house. He's been doing campus ministry on his own in Baltimore. Uh, last month, he came and uh, was in our house. He was going through a tough time because he was lonely. He didn't have a roommate at the time. He has a roommate now. Um, but he, he was feeling, you know, he was feeling a little bit of like, you know, I've been out on my own. Is this, uh, is, did I make the best decisions? Have I, you know, done things? And my wife suggested to me, uh, honey, you need to go downstairs, tell your son you love him, and give him a hug. And so, though that might not be my own natural inclination to do all on my own, I respected and followed my wife's advice, and I went down and, you know, knocked on the door, said, son, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, I just want to tell you I love you. And I gave him a hug, and he started crying. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> but I was very grateful. <laughs> I was like, let's pray together for a minute. But I was, I'm not always the best in social situations. <laughs> but I am very proud of my son. I am encouraged. And I tell you, that is the heart of a father, is to connect uh, with the son. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the heart of a father, to go after the son, to run. When the son has realized and shown his allegiance to the father by coming back and realizing in his mind and in his heart that he needed, he's like, why did I leave? Why have I uh, tried to go and do it on my own? That part was already done. The father knew where the son's heart was. And at that point, he's not going to make him jump through hoops, but he's going to run out and embrace him. Um, when we went, my wife and I went to Montana to visit my father before he passed away, all the workers from, who would come and provide 24-hour nursing care to him would 
we'd call them like, you know, a couple of weeks before and they'd tell my dad, Johnny, you know, your son is coming out. And they said when they told him that and he knew that I was coming out there, he began to eat more. He was, they were considering him for hospice care, but then he started to do better because he knew that Vivian and I were coming out. And then when I arrived, he would come out of the bedroom. And you could see him coming down, and he was eager. And I'd cook him an omelet. And in the omelet, I would stick in, like, all the leftovers. And, like, cut up pieces of chicken and ham. And, the, you know, the workers couldn't get him to eat very much for breakfast, but he would eat pieces of the omelet. You know, I, I threw in all the cheese, everything, bacon, the whole, the whole works. Uh, and he would eat it, but he just wanted to connect. And I had never, growing up, all he was about was he was Mr. Productivity. He was under Secretary of State in the Dulles administration, under President Eisenhower. He had been in World War II. His life was about productivity, but in his later years, he wanted to connect. When our son is in town, we just want to connect with him. But the older son didn't go for this. He was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father, said, you were always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Which son had forgotten who was in charge? Let's not be like the productivity legalists. Let's have the heart of God, the heart of Father, the heart for the lost, whether it's one in a hundred, one in ten, or one in two, we go after the lost and the needy. Vivian and Joelle and Danielle are going to come up. She's going to conduct a short interview of Joelle and Danielle. It's a little interview format, and I think you'll like it. Here we go. Get a mic. So Joelle and Danielle um, and I, we were in John. We all had lunch yesterday, right? Did I get that, I got that right? And uh, we were having a really great time talking to them. And I thought, well, one, I had two. seen this interview one, when two, I was one, in Austin. Two. Not the same thing. One, two. But I thought, hey, you know, I would love for the rest of the brothers and sisters to get to know you better. You're even going to get a chance to ask them questions. And I thought that would be neat. And I'll tell you why. It's because Joelle is going to be gone for three months from our fellowship. 
from the kingdom, right? This is our church, our kingdom, I mean, under, under God's reign. And he's going to be gone for three months. And I thought we could encourage him and he could, he could also provide some great information about what they're doing. So I've got a couple of questions for them. And so if you notice, Joel and Daniela, in the kingdom, they serve, right? So we see them doing music and AV and all kinds of stuff. You always see them doing something. And my first question is, Danielle and Joel, you can take turns. It's like, what is it about the kingdom that drives you to want to serve? I go first. Um, I just love um, to do something that I love for God. Um, I love music a lot. Um, I think it was a gift that got put in my in my in me a long time ago, and I will always I remember in prayer just asking Him for give me more to give me more knowledge, and I just love to do that for God, for rather than anything else. Uh, I, I will give myself away just for that to just serve and and give more to the church so the church can grow. I think for me it was a little different because I don't have any musical talent so obviously I can't serve in that way but I think for the time I moved to North River and even from the past few years when Intel was kind of forming I feel like I never really found a specific way that I could serve exactly so I mean I think for the past few years I've been praying and asking God in what way can I serve and I think I've, I've found something at least I can help with um, and so, yeah, I was just kind of eager when I first moved to North River, it was so big. And I came from a very small ministry where it was mostly campus. And so moving to North River, it felt like I could take a seat back and I felt like I wasn't doing anything. And then we, I also came from a ministry that they would do community service stuff like every week. And that was like very different moving to North River. So I was kind of like, where do I fit in? What's my role? Like, what am I doing? How am I actually helping anything? So I think just praying and trying to find something that I could do. Well, we sure are glad that they decided to serve, right? They serve in great ways. So uh, now I want Joelle and Danielle to share what it is that's going to happen the next three months, I guess, right, in your lives. And then I want you to do, when you share what's going to happen, I want you to share what you do for a living and what's your favorite hobby. That might be easy. Um, so a couple of months ago, um, I was fortunate to get a fellowship. Um, and it was from the sponsored by the Idaho National Lab, one of the national labs in the country. And they are going to give me funding for three years. Um, they're going to pay for my tuition and everything. But I need to be there for three months, which means that I don't know anyone in Idaho. There's no church in Idaho. Uh, there's only mountains and lakes. That's the only thing there. And the only thing I know from Idaho is the potato. That's the only thing. Um, but... Um, so to share what I do, I'm a PhD student at Georgia Tech. 
Uh, I do computer engineering. My focus is in uh, bio, video, inter interactive video in deep learning. It's kind of like a weird word, uh, but it's machine learning stuff, if someone knows. Um, so during that time, one of the things that helped me is to build relationship within the church. And one of the things that I have been doing with my uh, brother Dalen uh, since August is to have a time to uh, pray and also get together every Monday to build that relationship. And I think that uh, one of the difficult parts for us was to be apart uh, for three months and for me to be outside the church and how to keep the relationship going. And I was happy in the, I was sad that I will not be here for the, that amount of time. But at the same time, I'm grateful for the time that people in the church have been looking forward to pray with me and have time to talk to me, to help me out how to figure out those times. And yeah, I, I feel like the kingdom and the church uh, here uh, has been and has been really helpful to help me out in the transition. And can I guess what your hobby is? Um, yeah, I like music. Music. Okay. Daniela, you want to share? Yeah. So, I guess your first thing was your the job. The job. Oh, okay. So yeah. So we're both in grad school. We're both PhD students. I'm working on my PhD in biomedical engineering. Um, so. Just briefly, I study how like heart valve disease impacts and transitions to heart failure, and I'm kind of studying like why that happens. Um, yeah, and, and your hobby? Oh. oh yeah, hobby. Um, I really enjoy dancing. I grew up dancing my entire life, and um, it's probably going to be my last year. But right now, I teach ballet on on the weekends for little little babies. <laughs> but your favorite dancing is ballet and contemporary. Very interesting, right? Biomedical engineer, oh my goodness. And she does ballet and music, and I don't know what he does. I can't even relate. These two <laughs> brains, two brains. Um, so we, they have sought a lot of advice um, and agonized a lot, right, over taking this fellowship. It was the only fellowship he had, so it was either this, you know, we all prayed together a lot. And, uh, and so he's going to be away for three months. Daniela, we talked about Daniela going back and forth and visiting him and him coming here. But I'm bringing this up because all of us need to, as part of the body and the church. So we're all going to get his address and his phone number. And we're going to pray with him and text him and encourage him because those of us that are married, can you imagine? Being away from your spouse for three months. My husband only lets me be away for seven days in a row. That's it. That's the rule in our home. Okay. I have one more question for you because it's generosity. And, like, how could I let this little time go without me bringing this up? Especially since I know, you know, I want the money to come. So the job that I have at the church is easier, right? Hey, I'm honest. If we get a million dollars, my job would just be much easier. So here we go. In faith. But, you know, I think about the fact that you're trying to pay for your school and to live and, you know, your transportation and all the expenses that go along still being Ph.D. students, which takes a really long 
a while, right, to complete your education. Um, I wanted to know what is your conviction about giving and how do you go about deciding what to give when you're in the situation that you're in and you're about to spend a lot of money um, traveling, right? Because flying to Idaho, plane tickets is no joke, right? So, you know, I just wanted you to share um, your convictions about that. And I'm only asking them because they do have deep convictions about it. So I thought, you know, I wouldn't put them on the, under it otherwise. Um, so I think, so I remember the first Generosity Sunday that we were able to give to and yeah, together. Um, and that was when he was working and I was in grad school. So, I mean, the income that we had at the time was a lot more than what it is is now. But I think something that we did was just to pray. And, you know, we didn't pray for, like, a specific amount. And we didn't really know a specific amount. But after we had prayed together, um, it was just put on our hearts to give, like, as much as we could. And at that time, we decided to give a full paycheck. And we since then we have not been able to give that much we didn't give that much last year and we're definitely not able to give that much this year um but something that has just like amazed me about like when you give in faith and when you give with joy it's that you don't i have never once given to contribution or made a sacrifice to gifts to to give to someone else or when you go out of your way to buy food for a homeless person that you see like do you I think something I always have to remember is like, do you ever regret doing that? Yeah. Do you ever say like, I wish I, I wish I kept that, that just that one time. Mm -hmm. And even that when we gave a full paycheck, like we weren't like, yeah, that for that month, we were probably constrained in what we could buy. But like, I don't even remember the things that I couldn't buy that month, you know? Yeah. And like the things that we've bought this past year, like probably everything we're wearing, probably everything that we have is, was a purchase that was made probably within the last year or two. And those things are like the unnecessary things. And so I think when we when we think about like what we can give, it's just like, let's just give as much as we can in every situation with Generosity Sunday, as much as we can. When we see a homeless person, whatever we can do, whatever we have in the car, let's let's just do that. When, it, when we get together with friends, like can we pay for their meals? Like, let's just do that. Like, let's just do as much as we can because that's what God has done for us. He's done as much as he can for us. I think that's so yeah I think that's it <laughs> so uh, we're almost towards the end here and so now what I want to do is I want to open it up for you to ask uh, either one of them a question that you might have in your heart that you'd want to know about them so that either you can pray for them or you can get to know them better so I'm going to open it up for a little bit of time and anybody who wants to just stand up and ask them any questions you want Anybody? You can just ask. I really like to talk. So um, I'm bad. I'm really bad testing. Um, really bad. 
Uh, but if you call me, I really like would like to talk to you and have a conversation for sure. Anybody else? Anybody have something burning in their hearts they want to know about them? Go ahead. Um, I think it was uh, just looking at the word. Uh, I, I I like to really see stuff and try to think about it. Uh, I usually, uh, I'm not quick to respond to questions or things that happen. I just wait and really think. Um, and one of those things that we were talking about was, uh, for example, uh, I taught this with other people about alcohol. So we don't drink. And one of the things why that is our, uh, we don't do that is because um, what we have seen in the past and we, her family and also with my grandparents uh, has been not good for us. So we um, decided to not use that uh, in our life and bring that to our life uh, because we think we don't need it, but also we want it to be... Uh, just mindful about what we do. Like every step that we do, we are really mindful of that. We talk about it and make sure that uh, sometimes we have discussions and really like, just like really good arguments. It's not like we are just discussing about something, but it's just why we are doing what we're doing. And for example, in terms of giving, in terms of things that we do, um, is because we really love giving and we really love uh, spending time with people but if with a really good mind of why we do that not to get advantage of something just because we love to do okay well we got to get the kitties home and some of you might be antsy to try to get out of here so we are going to wrap this up thank you so much Amen. we get a little chance to learn about Joel and Daniela please keep them in your hearts in your minds in your prayers Make sure that you get his phone number because he loves to talk and he's going, he's going to need it. He's going to need you to call him, pray with him, and talk with him. And so, Daniela and Joelle, we're very grateful for your service to the church, your generosity. We're going to miss you back here and also in Marietta, both places where you, you know, you are, you use your music to serve the kingdom. And Daniela, we'll keep you here for a little while. And Thank you guys tonight. We love you. Isn't the kingdom just a wonderful place?